Happy Monday! It's the start of a brand new week. I hope everybody had a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And I really, I, I, I don't know how we're going to get through the end of this year, except to just be brave and allow ourselves to have the experience of a lot of laughter and joy, which is why I'm so excited about today's guest. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It's probably one of my favorites so far. This woman has inspired me greatly. She continually opens my heart with her creative work. I got to see the last two one-woman shows that she did, and I sobbed. I sobbed, and I I don't really sob when it when it comes to creative work. I just I don't. But that was not the case <laughs> with her. And who is this her? It is Kirsten Vangsness. She is incredible and I love her and I had the honor and privilege of getting to work with her and I I feel very privileged and honored that I, I get to have her in my life and I get to call her a friend. And within that too, I just wanted to do some quick housekeeping. I've had people asking me about how to get in touch and all that good stuff. You can write to me at S-U-A-L-W-H-M at gmail.com if you have any thoughts about the show or better yet, if you really do have thoughts about the show, I would love for you to subscribe and review on iTunes. That would be really lovely. That would be so nice. I'd be very, very grateful. And as I said, that I, I really do desire for my listeners and audience to have a participatory experience, you can go to voicebite.com and you can choose the tag S-U-A-L with H-M and you can leave a voicemail of sorts for me that I will play on the show because I think it's, it's cool and it's fun. And again, I love getting to interact with, with my audience and my listeners. <sighs> and with that said, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed getting to create it. And I'm sending you all lots of love and, and hope that this gets to brighten your week. And thank you for letting me be a part of yours. I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Because I, <laughs> because I play clarinet. You do? Yeah. I started my, my, my dad growing up and like just was all about jazz and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like Sinatra and Benny Goodman mm-hmm. and Louis Armstrong. And so when it came time to like sign up for a band, 
Right. Um, I really wanted to play the trumpet. Uh-huh. And I could. But my dad was like, no, I've got to go with clarinet. Got to go with clarinet. So I ended up, like, learning to play the clarinet. And, yeah. It's, Were you happy you did it? Yeah, just in the sense of I I can't really read music. Yeah. So I would. Do my sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'd play everything by ear and then improvise. So I would, like, uh, I would put on Ella Fitzgerald and then just improvise right. to whatever. Wow. Um, and And then I played alto clarinet whatever that big clarinet is that yeah bass clarinet yeah good okay yeah bass clarinet yeah I played for a hot oh second. wow see you're good at it I'm I do it by ear and I've I still don't know how to, I still you know my embouchure is good or whatever but my sister is a better like has always like she played bass clarinet she played the bassoon and she I'm not as good as you guys I just carry it around and know how to put a reed on and clean a clarinet so it makes people go, oh you play the clarinet I, I, uh, I think I think I'm glad I didn't bring it because I think <laughs> we could have had a clarinet off. You would have won. I would have just been like, and um, yeah, because I've had people like I've done things where they're like, like a charity thing, like, oh, and here's to play the clarinet. So you'll come in with the orchestra and we'll play a thing, and I'm like, no, I shouldn't do that. And then they're like, no, 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 you will. And then I bring in my clarinet, and then it's always like the guy who actually plays the clarinet is like, uh, what key is this? And I'm like, I don't. I don't really know. I don't, uh, I did something. I did something with the skivvies actually this year. And they were like, can you play the clarinet with us? And I was like, sure. And I came in and I worked on part of a song and then they were like, okay, what are the notes? What keys? I was like, I don't know any of that. And I felt like the biggest, like, oh God, I was, it was so shamey. I was like, oh, they were like, we just need to cut it. Cause you're not a musician. And I was like, you're right. I'm not. You asked me to bring it, so I did. It worked out fine. Um, but yeah. So we are gonna start okay. in three, two. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. Um, I'm just gonna see how I can sing that opening um differently every week. <laughs> um, so here is the truth. I I love and and have respect for every single person that that comes on this podcast and um i i mean the the person that i'm with now is like um, i i just <sighs> let me get centered and just really centered because you know <sighs> i've been I, I i've been an actor for a really really long time and i've worked with some really awesome incredible incredible people but i've never had a greater fortune than meeting and befriending and working with um the amazing kirsten Banksness. like you're gonna make me tear <laughs> <laughs> like you're i mean i i caught your 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 one woman show um the other week mess uh-huh and it was the night of your birthday. It was. It was the night of your birthday. And I was sobbing. And and literally, I felt so embarrassed. I just cut my hair off. So I didn't even have like a place to hide. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And just it, it, your voice speaks to me in a, in a 
very honest way. Like it, it, it connects with my soul in a way that that um, is evidenced through my messiness and snot induced, <laughs> just ugly crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're one of the few individuals that I know that is is so fiercely vulnerable, and and open and raw. Um, with the work that that you gift the audience with you know um so just thank you for being oh you're you're well i don't i don't think i have a, a, ch- a choice i think that's sort of my wheelhouse is like just be where you're at and just do it <laughs> which i think can disturb some people and some people uh like it so that's i feel very honored that um i think that sometimes people can interpret vulnerability or sharing. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, people interpret like vulnerability and sharing and imagination is almost like, okay, you're histrionic or you're pushing or you're a little too much or you're supposed to leave some of that. So I appreciate you appreciating me because it's like, oh, sometimes I think I, 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 not sometimes I know that I do question my own validity. Are those, those are on Yes. This is the dumbest question about I figured they were. <laughs> um, but they were staring at me and I just felt like I should acknowledge them. Like okay. it's like the Heisenberg principle. I'm yes. like I have to be like, I see you. I've observed you. <laughs> I'm observing you. Anyway, uh, where was I? Um uh I appreciate you appreciate me because that that can feel I can oftentimes a lot of times feel like you know, what are, like it's just so much. It's just too much. Why are you, who decided that you should get up and say a bunch of words in front of people? And then they have to sit quietly and listen so that you do, you liked that. That makes me feel good because I like to do that. And I like to do it because I like to, I would hope that then we all have a shared experience of like, oh, you wrote that down and I was in a room and listened and I feel that too. And so that's, and you are a very good patron of the, of the arts and that when I invite you to things, you, you come, you come to them when able. And I deeply appreciate that. Well, I, I, I receive that and, and say, thank you. You know, it's, if I don't like something, I walk out. Like I walked out during Cat on a Hot Tin Roof when it was revived on Broadway. Wow. The, yeah, at yeah. intermission, I was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't like being held hostage. Right, especially sure, when, sure, it's, sure. It's, when it's yeah. it's something creative, and I'm uh, okay. I I can see that this is not going to get better, right? And yeah. I really don't want to be emotionally tortured like this, right? From an audience seat, right? You know, and and again, it's very rare that I find individuals who are willing to be that vulnerable and are willing to be that honest. There is an honesty that you have. There is a willingness to expose self in a way that doesn't feel sensationalistic, that doesn't feel um, inauthentic. And, And that to me, at least, is like part of that magic is that you set everybody so immediately at ease. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a that's rare. I like to do that. Thank you. I'm glad about that. Yeah, I like to do that. I don't think I I don't think the vulnerability bit. Is a. Like I said, I I wish I want it 
I feel like if I was more with it, I, it would be more controlled. Like I would be able to choose like, here is where I'm, my cards stay over here. Here's I'm subtly better at it. I have gotten subtly better at that, but not super better at it. And I feel like I'm just all, that's like what I can do. And it is my favorite thing to me. I had this acting teacher in high school because I almost flunked out of high school. And the only thing that I got an A in was I got in, started getting an A in this acting class. And it was just because our first couple of exercises we had to do required no talking. And I had kind of given up on communicating with people as a general rule, because it wasn't working out for me too good. And, uh, and so it was neat to be able to be like, Oh wait, I don't have to talk and I'm going to do this thing and use my imagination. And then I got an A and I got into it. I got, I like became like a slave, a very happy slave, like, uh, to like, I'm going to learn about this, this acting thing. Like, and I never thought I was going to do something like that. I had this friend named Jody and, um, Jody was going to be a model and I was going to be the photographer because Jody was going to be the model. Like, you know, it's like, it was always like that. Like, I'm going to do this because that person's going to do this. I'm going to be their backup and their wingman. So this idea that I was going to go, that I liked this thing that was essentially just about me was, um, but my teacher, when we did, we did our, our play, the first play I was in, it was called Juvie. It was about a juvenile detention center. I had done other plays, but because my dad was an opera singer, so I had done like community college shows where I played like the 70 year old woman in the back in Bye Bye Birdie who like mumbled and said peas and carrots. But like I was in this play called Juvie and I was a heroin dealer. And, um, and the, the setup, the conceit of the play was that the, the, the boys in the juvenile detention and the girls were only separated by a, a line of bars. So you would talk through the bars and a series of monologues ensued. Um, and, uh, but she, I remember she put these post-it notes all over the uh, the classroom before we went on stage. Yeah. And one of them, I remember seeing it and I remember being like, this is everything. This is, I'm going to run the whole gig for the rest of my life like this. And I'd never seen it before, but I read it and I was like, that's it. And I constantly go to it, which is love the art in yourself, not yourself in the art. And to me, that is what it's about. That's why I, my favorite thing is being in a room and being like, I'm going to lose it right now. And you're going to know the whole time you're going to be able to do whatever you need to do. Cause I got you. Like, I love that feeling of like, this is my car and, uh, get in. Let's see how fast we can drive it. Okay. Like, I like that. Feeling. I need you to repeat that. Love the art in yourself, not yourself in the art. Love the art in, in yourself, yourself, not, not yourself. yourself in the art. Which that idea being that like you have, what I find so beautiful about that statement is that it's not about me. Yeah. It's, it's, I am lucky enough to have the privilege of living in an experience. I feel like all of us, you can't, whether it's making soup or whatever, if you decide that you're going to touch that creative part of yourself, Pandora's box is open to try to shut it again is so destructive to the world and to you. And you know you should go after your dream. You know you should go after and do the thing you want to do because you want to do it. Yes. That is evidence enough. So yes. you can stop the argument of, well, I'm not a, should I be a singer or a basketball or whatever, fill in the fucking blank. If you, you want to do it, then you know that you should go forward and do it. But that part, I guess the part of like, well, you shouldn't go do it because you're the specialist. You shouldn't go do it because you're the best. You should do it because you know you want to. And then know you're part of a tradition 
of people, of humans, whether it be the people who make soup or the people who love plumbing or the people who are actors, you're part of a tradition of people that have said, I'm going to serve the experience of this life, whatever, because I don't think it's just one thing we get yeah. into. And it's not about me. It's about that. So I am lucky enough to be a, I don't know, there's a bunch of vessel, hooey words, but channel, yeah. you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. And my job is to get out of the way and to realize, any, and what I think is it just takes all this pressure off yourself. Really. Anything that's good and like, yay, you did a thing. That's like, that's the loving the art in yourself. Yeah. And, and anything that's like, you know, that could be better is when I start getting too attached or think it's about me or think like, <gasps> gotcha. I'm the, I'm the thing. But there's something weird about like being an artist where I think you both have to like be so very, and I guess by artist, I mean, I don't, I think everybody is, I don't think there's like a actor, writer, you know, I think all, all people are, but like, you, you have to be, it's the way to be the most generous. I think you have to be so fiercely self-involved so that you can be completely like, give it away. Like that's for me, like the way I am super generous is I kind of, I know, like, I know what I need. And then I'm going to make an assumption that like, I'm filling this up. So like, I don't, how do I explain this? Like the abundance economy, like there's not, there's enough for everybody. Yes. There's enough art for everybody. There's enough talent for everybody. Yes. There's enough writing for everybody. I do not corner the market on, I'm going to write some shit. Like I don't corner the market on that. Everybody can do that. There's plenty of stages and film and whatever. Do I forget that all the time? Yes. Does everybody forget that all the time? Yes. But I feel like it's my job as a, as a maker of things to both remind myself and other people. I went on a huge tangent. Thanks for sticking with me on that. Well, listen, that's why this, this <laughs> podcast is called Shut Up and Listen, where I get yeah. to shut up and listen. Like, so, I literally just get to sit here and listen okay. to all of my favorites people talk. Um, it's it, it, it's interesting because I... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to have to sit with that statement for such a long time. Well, I don't know how long long is, but the I I never wanted to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't and for me it wasn't even a question. It was a knowing. Yeah. And I'm I'm grateful and I'm I'm fortunate and I mean, it's it's also quite strange that I knew my calling from when I was so lucky. Me too. And we're so lucky because some people don't know and they don't know and they don't know. So that we knew is like such a huge gift because I I knew and then it's like, well, I'll just live on cat food, but I know I'm going to do this. I don't know I'm going to be able to do it for a living. I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever going to hire me. Yeah. And I, I but like I remember uh, when I. I wasn't even going to go. I flunked out of high school and then I, I was in community college and I was getting parts and things, but I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do it for a living. And then I got into a college, like a regular four year. And the only way I could get in was if I was a theater major, I wanted to be a theater major, but I was told consistently like by my mom and by society, like that's not a job. Yeah. You can't do that. And then I 
went into college and I was a big deal in college and like in the acting part of it. But I wasn't uh, what people would call like um, uh, marketable or something. And I got an audition, I remember, for a film. It was a big deal. And I drove, I drove up here. I was living in Orange County and I drove up here for the audition. And it was a big casting director. And I went in and I, I had gotten a friend of mine to take a headshot for me. And I frantically relooked over my resume a million times to make sure I spelled things right. And I still spelled things wrong. And I tried to cut it out. So it matched up to picture. And, um, and I walked in and I handed it to her and I did the thing, did my best shaking, you know, hives everywhere, just trying to be like, I'm it's look at me act like I'm in a movie, even though I'm in a tiny little room with the, and I do the thing. And she says, and this is like a, she was a big deal casting director. This was a big deal. I had this audition and she was married to a guy who was teaching at the school. She said, what are you going to do after you graduate? And I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an actor. And she goes, great. Um, but like, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, I'm going to be an actor. And she said, and this was, it sounds hard, but it wasn't, it was like a, she said, okay, um, you're not pretty enough for people to hire you as the lead. You're not old enough to be a character actor. You're not going to work. No one's going to hire you for a long time. So you can do this if you want, but, and then I walked out and I heard a noise, a big cracking noise, which I think was my, my dreams dying. And then, um, <laughs> And then I felt this like total like, okay, so I really know I'm going to need a bunch of day jobs because I'm not going to not do this. So I just did that. I just did that. I had all these jobs and then I would drive up to LA on a Tuesday and I would do a show, a late night show at 11 o'clock, you know, at the Hudson or I would do an improv show in Anaheim Hills with my friends uh, on a Wednesday night or I would whatever, but I was doing stuff. And then I started to watch all my friends that were, you know, acting majors in college, go get real jobs. And I was the one who was the loser, the total loser. I couldn't pay my rent. I was covered in credit card bills. Um, just the loser. And uh, I think it's interesting that when you get a thing that pays you money and then people can see you consistently on something, they can point to it and say, oh, you're not a loser. But now I look back at that girl yeah. and she's so cool. Like, yeah. and now I actually have to do things to valid, to like, to like keep my cool factor. Like I have to, because I was truly doing it for the sake of doing it. I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't, no one was seeing it. None of that. And the reality of it is, especially where we live here in LA, the amount of people who do what we do and get no recognition for it, no one's ever seen them, and they are some of the best actors in town is unbelievable. So like there's so many people that know that this is what they're supposed to do, whether it's acting or whatever, like you know your calling. And it's on top of knowing your calling to be able to get validated and being like, oh, we're going to hire you and pay you. That is a whole other like beautiful ball of wax that there's all these other people that don't have that. And I don't mean that in like a, so we should, I think it's, I just think that there's, they're so valuable too. There's so many people that do what we do and they don't get any, um, eyes on them. Um, and especially here in LA. And there was something else I was going to say about that, that we were talking about the doing the thing and 
being, oh, and that was the other thing is when I got the job, I think I spent a long time being like, and I, I'm curious, I feel like maybe you feel the same way. Mm. I felt a long time being like, I have to be, I'm trying to be somebody. I'm trying to be the actor. Cause I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't get, I got criminal minds when I was 30 I'm 47. I got criminal minds. I was on it for 14 years. So I was in my thirties when I got criminal minds. And before that, like, like just tumbleweeds and a couple of commercials. Um, but like I, uh, I thought I had to be a person to be cast. I had to be a, a neutral, especially women. I think we feel like we have to be this neutral. You can project anything you want on me. If you want to, am I allowed to cuss? Cause I have been, okay. You want to fuck me. You want to kill me. You want to, you want me to sell you tampons or soup or this lawnmower or whatever. I I'm going to neutral myself so you can project, you can put me in that dress or that thing or that thing. And I will show up and I will be this thing. And it was the most astonishing part of getting the job is to realize like, Oh my God, you, you're taking me, you're taking like exactly what I have to offer. And I'm actually going at it. It was a really harsh toke actually to be like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I still have to be a perfect version of myself. And you're going to take me like this. And you find out that your gifts, your gold is actually the very stuff about you that you think is atrocious. And, yeah. And people have to told you is atrocious. Like mine being like my horrible, awkward vulnerability and my like very much like, here's my shame. You guys want to go out and get some froyo <laughs> with her? Like, I that it just sort of hangs out with me all the time. And I don't even mean it to, but like, um, that 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 is your gold. It be, it's very confusing to be like, oh no, this is this part I've been trying so hard to reject. My size of my body, I was trying so hard to like lose weight and be a certain way and to find out that people like they were like no 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 we want you to stay like that like yeah. and actually people talk about it and say like they would touch <laughs> when i started getting work on the job someone touched my neck one time and said just make sure this doesn't go away you're losing some weight and i was like what are they talking and i went home and i looked oh my god what are they talking about like and you look and you're like i guess this thing don't <laughs> let this thing go okay this is how i got the job okay got it I've been trying to ignore this. I didn't know that that was, I didn't know anyone noticed that. And then you like sit around and stare at that part of you. Like, yeah. um, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. It's beautiful and wonderful to like, know, like, this is what you meant to do. It simplifies so many things because so many people don't have that experience and they have to like spend a lot of their lives figuring out what they want to do. Or they're really good at a million things. Like I'm good at one section of a thing yeah so i don't really have a choice like i good i good they better get real good at this so um yeah yeah you really did do the shut up and listen thing right then and i'm sorry because i went off a tangent again well, i'm sorry why? but this is but this is but this is a whole entire <laughs> this is a whole entire point okay you okay. know it's okay. and th this to me at least is what conversations look like yeah it's it's asking a question uh-huh or like having a thought that leads to a question and a ponderance and right. then getting to listen to the answer as opposed to bullshit, 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 my line, bullshit, 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 right, right, now right. I can talk. Right, 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 Because right. I genuinely desire to know. Right, 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 right. You know? Right, yeah. Because um, like, why the fuck do this <laughs> otherwise? <laughs> like, right. seriously. Um, it's... It, I feel like, and this I feel like is, I had a little bit of a, a different experience in the sense that 
I was given, quote unquote, an identity oh. early on, yeah. you know, um, simply based off like I was 11 years old when I did Dollhouse. I hadn't even fully formed a person yet yeah. as just me, you know, Heather. And then the the success and the, the only constant and, and, and guiding thing that I had and, and knowing was it, it was just the success was a confirmation of my knowing. Mm-hmm. It was a validation of my knowing that like mm-hmm. the, the three-year-old, the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, they knew. Right. And, and that then, all of that success and and what I mean by that is not like the free clothes or whatever I didn't really give a shit about that like um it it was about Jodie Foster stopping me Uh and and saying I like her work Mm -hmm. it's good work like what yeah Jodie fucking Foster it's 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 those individuals that you know, I I had such incredible respect for right. that I felt welcomed by. And therefore, there was this beautiful sense of acceptance. And it's almost, did you ever see the movie um, Meet Me in St. Louis? Yeah. So the character of uh, Trudy, uh-huh. you know, when when it's Halloween time and they're all getting ready to throw that bonfire yeah. and she's like, let yes, me yes, help. Yes, let yes. me help. Yeah. And they're like, you going. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And she's like, Pah. so she goes to like the biggest, baddest house and like throws flour in this dude's face. Um, and she's so proud of herself because she really just wants to. And then she ends up being like lauded and celebrated. And it's it's great. Um, <sighs> Heather, what was the point of that? There is a point. <laughs> um, and th- that's kind of how I felt right. was, was that um, I was, I, I was being accepted and I was being received. And then nobody tells you, and I, I think especially as like a young teenager, that my version of what acceptance was when I was a kid, I had a child's version of acceptance and what that looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, and then as I got older and I was being told by various people in the industry, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're, you're to this, you're to that, like, and all of a sudden I'm not being accepted anymore. And I thought that I had been accepted because of my artistry and my talent, you know, not because I happened to fit into a specific box or something. And so it was really, really difficult for me to navigate. And it definitely hit my deepest wounds in terms of having what I thought was this acceptance to then all of a sudden almost being rejected. Yeah. Where it's for the and, very same things that you were all yes, accepted by. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because it, there was no and so then it became about, well, clearly then I have to do something to counteract or to fight this. There was this almost this frustration. 
and it and it primarily was with the the deciders in one way or another yes and and now getting to see that those like deciders are the ones that really don't know dick right. you know in in the business sense and it's it, it getting to come back now i feel it's interesting because i'm like oh shit, i'm gonna be 37 in november and that's when i started this journey and like getting back to those roots of that knowing without the quote unquote politics involved. Does that make sense? In the yes. sense of, yeah. um, <clears throat> not fighting against or feeling that I need to contort because yes, yes, any yes. kind of betrayal of self is a betrayal of yeah, self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, because I think that our instinct, my instinct anyway, is when something is coming at you and you're not getting, it's not working how you want. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you are a person to a greater or lesser degree, I feel like the ways that things work in our favor is if we are radically responsible for our own experience. So if you are responsible for that experience, the natural thing to do when something is coming at you and you're not getting your way is to pretzel yourself, right? Yeah. If I can't do what you want me to do and I'm trying to get something for you, I'm going to try to pretzel myself in a way that makes me workable, which actually is very counterintuitive. Yeah. Now you seem thirsty and it'll work for a second, but it doesn't really work. And that, you know, so you don't want that. But what I think you can learn as time goes on is a kind of patience of that, okay, maybe it's not going to work right now this very second if I just stay with myself. But I know when this experience, when this moment where you're rejecting me is over, yeah. I know I'm going to end this experience. I must still be attached to me. I still got me. So mm. you might not feel me. I'm fine. And then you don't know what happens a week later or two weeks later. Yes. You know, you, yes. that, 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 how time works. Yes. And that you realize like, oh my God, if, if we could all walk around and I'm, 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 figurative drinking buddies with Pollyanna and I don't intend to stop anytime soon. Um, but I feel like if we all could keep that inside of us, that like there is a punchline to everything. Oh my gosh. Of and, course. And, and it is, it is, they're very long jokes. There are very <laughs> incredibly long jokes that have, you think that that's the punchline and you're like, that can't be the fucking, I hate that punchline or, you know, but that I really, truly, truly, truly believe that there's a good punchline. Cause there really has to be, there just can't be. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, especially with these sorts of things, like you give it a little bit of time and authenticity yeah. is authenticity is authenticity. So you, yes, you can get these people that can come in and be like, no, you're not, yeah. you're not enough and yeah. you're not this. And, yeah. and really kind of take the, the, cause you were both wonderful and lovely and unique. And you were something that wasn't, that I can see the both end of that. Yeah. You're not something we've seen, you know, the mind enjoys seen before so you're bothering our mind because we don't feel soothed by the <laughs> normalcy of you or whatever but then when they break it down and they take away that special like but that isn't that incredible that it's something that we all haven't seen before yeah and then it makes us forget yeah that absolutely yeah. absolutely and that's it's 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 an it's an interesting thing and and when you talked about you know um like abundance consciousness you know, and they're really being enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what it what it makes me think is is too is the thought behind the thought. It's the want behind the want. 
it's the the truth of the statement mm-hmm. and any time and, and the truth every single thing I haven't gotten I'm so grateful I haven't gotten yeah every single thing and and there have been things that I've said no to where where my reps will be like are you insane yeah what is wrong with you like there is something actively wrong with you that you're saying no uh-huh. to this right but and I, I use this analogy because it's the simplest analogy I can is that I wear a size six to eight jean. Uh-huh. I used to wear a two four. Uh-huh. I cannot fit into a two four for the life of me now. Uh-huh. I would look ridiculous trying and it would be uncomfortable for me and everyone else. And I feel the same is true creatively that if you as an artist continue to grow and continue to evolve. Um, what I was able to do then, what I was able to tap into then, channel then, whatever, I might not necessarily be able to now because right. that's just not where I am. It's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the lack of understanding I feel that comes with that in the sense of no, we've designated you as this thing. And now you need to stay this thing. Right, right. You need to. Yeah. And if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, that is tricky. It is tricky, I think. Because I think that sometimes you're given attention for this thing. Like I, pretty much anybody who like in the world who like sees, if, if someone recognizes me, usually not because they saw like oh i saw you do uh you know everything you touched at boston court two years ago. that's not that's not where they remember you from they're like oh you're the girl from the tv show and you play the computer genius right um we're very close neighbors people say like, oh you're so much alike we are we're like neighbors uh i get scared sometimes that like that's what happens if you know i've had this job for over a decade and yeah, I write plays and I do things and I've done all kinds of other things, but all of the other things I've done, I'm trying to think, I don't want to tell a fib. Oh, I would say most of the things I've done here and there a little, like I did stuck and I did, I do here and there little things that yeah. are, um, uh, other than that, but pretty much everything I've done is like self-generated and, um, and totally like I'm not making a living off of doing it. and that when I'm taking these plays I wrote to Edinburgh, when I come back and I start auditioning for things again, am I going to, am I going to get offered? Am I going to audition for the kooky girl with glasses who knows a lot about computers or who knows a lot about telescopes or am I going to play that part? There's nothing wrong with that part. That part's fucking delightful. Like I love her so much. I can do it. Like I, I get it. I can do it at the same time. Like, is that art or is that commerce like at that point? And is it okay for it to be commerce? And if I just do commerce, it is okay, but it's not, I'm not becoming a better artist. I can't, I can't keep, it's sort of like taking gum that you've really, really chewed and like, I will chew that piece of gum again. So you can watch me chew the piece of gum because you like watching me. I can't taste anything anymore because I've been chewing the gum for so long, but if you really like watching me chew the gum, like, but it's confusing because should you even But that, but here's that? the thing, it, it, well, that I feel comes down to listening to self and getting mm-hmm. quiet and, and really getting to 
you know, for me, it's like if the script's not tight, the money better be right. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's one or the other because I've had to say yes. I've 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 chosen to say yes to things because I've chosen that um, paying my bills on time, sure. paying my rent, is an important part of life. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and and the, the compromise. I feel um, <clears throat> again. It's it's. I'm going to have to ask you to repeat that phrase because I want it burned in my memory. Love the art in yourself, not yourself in the art. Yes. Yeah. Um, and. But one is commerce. Yeah. But that's the, the thing is that like, well, someone you, on a lucky day, on a lucky, beautiful yeah. day, you get to do art and commerce at the same time. Yes. But that's like saying somebody who works at Chipotle and they're a painter mm -hmm. is like, Oh my God, when I made guacamole today, it was so beautiful and the colors were so great. And I really felt that, you know, the utensils I was using to make it felt so good in my hands. Yeah. And yeah, that might happen every once in a while, but we wouldn't have an expectation that yes. that painter, every time they went to work is having the same experience as they do when they're at home or doing something that's meaningful. So for us, I feel like we've got all actors get tricked and we put this expectation on the job that it should pay us. It should be, uh, so it would be, she should be fiscally wonderful. It should be emotionally rewarding. Yes. It should be a great script and it's not going to take off all those. It's just not, yeah. which is why it's our responsibility yes. as artists yeah. to go do it somewhere else. Because I would argue that the second that the money is right, it no longer can be art because you're providing too much of a service to be paid like i can't if someone's paying me a bajillion dollars yes and they say you are super sponge person i don't know and then super sponge person does these things and you're a superhero and you're made of sponges they've already done that as a cartoon. <laughs> um, but i'm saying that like if that is the thing you're like okay i'm gonna do this like this one i was in criminal minds like i can't go to work yes i had a lot of freedom it was great there were days where it was like art i got to write my own lines and stuff but there were times where i didn't like this, this scene is, is, I don't, yeah. the great, I don't like, I, I don't yeah. understand it, whatever. And you just have to do it. You yes. just have yes. to do it because yes. it is your job. Yes. So in that way, and then if I really hate it and I feel like, oh my God, I'm not getting what I need from this. Well, you know what, what I'm getting is they're paying me. That's what I'm getting. Exactly. And now I go home and I write something with my friends or I go do some, then I go do something else. But this, um, the, we all need that. We all need to be artistically fulfilled. Yeah. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Everybody needs to be seen. Everybody needs to be seen. It's really at the end of the sentence. And and some people feel like they're just seen when they're with their families. And some people need to express and write in a journal or make food for someone. Or do we all need to do that though? Yeah. And but I think as actors, we get um, we have those beautiful days where where art and commerce make out, and you're like, I want this to happen all the time, and it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's okay. Yes. Yes. That's okay. Yes. I, like, A, I agree with you. Um, B, I mean, I've talked with like, I've, it's like, man, it's like, I'm so grateful that you exist just as a person in, in this way that there's very few actors that I talk to that I can talk to like this about, about art, about, um, I desire to continually bring people back to themselves. I desire mm -hmm. to be a mirror 
-hmm. Like that's all I desire to do. That is my service and that is my gift to the world. Yeah. You know, where it's, I've experienced enough pain and enough grief to last a thousand and one lifetimes. Uh And how do I get to transform that um, into um, an experience of of getting to hold space for the sacred other uh-huh. in a way that is accessible through story. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, um, and like, uh, so for you, how do you, because you write, like, how do you approach and when did you start approaching that process of, I want to learn more about myself through this medium? Was it because you had things you needed to express as yeah. an actor? Well, no, I was, I, I kept a journal. I read Harriet the Spy. I got a big crush on Harriet growing up. Um, she was like, I was, before I figured out that, it, that I was, a weird place on the Kinsey scale, which, what does that even mean? But, um, uh, but that I was like, I really like her. And so I started keeping a journal when I was in about fourth grade. Mm. And then I started getting real. I can't, I, I describe, I always describe my upbringing as like, uh, it was like an after school special. Like I was very, uh, it was very tumultuous. There was a lot going on. Uh, it was very difficult to do, the regular things, because uh, there was a lot uh, happening, and and um, yeah, there was just a lot happening, and everybody's safe. Everyone's got their limbs now. Everybody's okay. I I uh, my my father has since transitioned to non physical. My mother is uh, has sort of put her life in a really beautiful way. So everybody's okay. Uh, but it was. I'm not one of the people. There are people that look back at their childhoods and say like, oh, remember how uncomplicated it was and how we could just, I wish I could go back the safety of, I am not one of those people. So I don't have those, those wistful, like I, I do, am not in that. I, I spend a lot of time being like, isn't this nice that we oh, look. So that's, um, <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, and, uh, uh, so I, I would get, I, I was having some pretty awful, uh, very distracting to uh, everyone, um, uh, anxiety attacks yeah. where I was very convinced about what was happening and it was sort of shutting down rooms, whether that be a classroom because I thought that 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 the, the my anxiety attacks typically start when I have them, the room tilts. So it can actually feel like a room is tilting and then I would be like, this is, and I would lose it. And once it would go, I would... I would be so convinced of what was happening because it was so real that almost to let go of it was, was like a betrayal to what I knew had happened. And meanwhile, there was stuff happening in my, in my life that wasn't, was being that I couldn't totally grasp reality. I was having a hard time with like, okay, let's pretend this isn't happening and let's pretend this isn't happening. And then let's act like this. And I have two parents that are public school teachers and they're out in the world. There's just things that can't be like, 
these things are not normal, but we're just going to pretend like, yeah. And you don't know that they're secrets because when you live in a certain world, you just live that. So you don't make assumptions until you get friends and you don't really, you're not really a person to have friends and then you get friends and then they start feeling, you know, and you're like, oh, I didn't. Yeah. I was, I was writing, I was writing in in this journal. And, and then once the acting thing became something I really wanted to do and I was doing it more, there were these monologue festivals where you could either do a monologue in front of a casting director or whatever. And when you, when I would look for monologues, I would realize there's monologues are either like a story, you know, like it was a winter. And I start, when I would watch enough of them, you're like, Um, you can kind of get away with like, it's a good story, but you can't tell if the person's acting and there's no, like, it's too short. Monologues have to be short to do these sort of competitions or whatever of like getting a cast director to look at you. So it would be hard. So I was like, well, I'm gonna, what if I wrote one and I just started to do that. And then because I had written in a journal and I was sort of used to my own voice of like, this is just, it, it, kind of came to me relatively easily. Um, and then I did it because that was the first, it was a need. I was trying to provide a need for myself that like, I can't find work that is age appropriate for me. That is saying the stuff I want to say in a short period of time that has a beginning, middle and a kind of conflict and something that's fun to perform. So I just did it. I just wrote one myself and they were clunky and bad. And you have to like, when you don't know what you're doing, you have to kind of just do it and give yourself a bunch of like rationale. So my rationale was like, okay, it was like acting. I'd be like, there's 9 billion pairs of shoes and then 800,000th whatever is the is the shoe that's going to be a success. Just keep trying on shoes. So it was like, just keep writing, just keep writing. And I really am a believer in this because I don't think I'm not um, particularly special about these things. And I have been endowed by many people, I've been told it a lot that I'm very special, which is very nice to hear. Yeah. However, I want to be very clear that someone who is being told a lot that she's very special has not done anything special. This is not like a, I am not like a, a this is a magical whatever. You, the magic is very practical in that you just do the thing and you go, okay, and now it's wrong. And what is wrong about it? And now, and, and it's a cocktail of doing the thing, figuring out what was wrong about it. Again, going back to love the art in yourself, not itself in your art. And keep going back to like, why am I reading this? What's enjoyable for me? Well, what do I write about? I write about sex, sexuality, shame, secrets, um, all this stuff. And I try to make it in a way that's fun for me. It's fun for me. So that's that mix of like, I'm being selfish, but I'm going to try to share. And then I just kept doing it. And that's still what I do. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know about story structure. I've now been around enough people. I've written four episodes, half written, but I've truly written half, like a genuine written half of four television episodes. I wrote the series finale of Criminal Minds. Most of that is like out of my little brain. Half of it is out of my little brain. Like a lot of it, not like, Oh, she, no, it's not ghostwritten. It's me. I don't know what I'm doing. I can barely spell right. A lot of times when I write scenes, I write this character says something important. Next character says opposite of what that character just said. Sometimes it just starts like that. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't know how to use final draft when I first did it. I had to download it six times and like, I didn't know. So like, it's not special and it is, and it's not the specialness is 
what you do. There's no one in the world yeah. like me and there's no one like you or like anybody that's watching this or listening to it. Yeah. That, that, like, there's nobody who has had your life experience yeah. that is you that, that sees the world like you. Yeah. So if you tell exactly what it is, which always seems to me like that's too much, that's too wrong. Yeah. So you say exactly, yeah. the clearer you are, the more specific, if I go super specific, there's a part in mess. I was like, I really want to put this in here. And I've done that show like so many times. So I keep changing it up. And I wanted to put this thing in there about the first time I, like I'd had dreams and stuff, but I wanted to write this thing about when I mastered and I had had some disturbing things happen where I came and I didn't want to. So I wanted to write this thing about what happens when you like the first time I like made myself come and that even just saying that sense I was like you did I'm sorry what like even to me as I'm saying it, like don't say that out loud Kirsten but the more clear I am about exactly what happened the more you have people say that happened to me that yes. exact same thing it's not that the exact same thing happened but their version of the exact same thing happened to them so everybody has these very specific experiences and ways of talking and ways of doing things and the more intimate you are at getting closer and closer to that mm -hmm. and the more personal and selfish you are about that the more universal it becomes so that's what i mean about being super selfish yes. and then and then you let it go so you're like here's all this and then it the practices then for me anyway, you have to release it completely and be like, this has nothing to do with me. This is all to do with you. And I've learned that also from playing Penelope Garcia because people yeah. project on her so much and like love her. And then at first you're like, oh, I'm real special. And then you're like, no, no, no. Uh, this two dimensional image that looks like me in their living room. And I don't know what happened with their day and I don't know what's going on with them, but they're projecting onto me something special to them. This is not me. This is them. Any more than when I watch you act and I'm watching yeah. that and I'm having an experience. Yeah. That has to do with, yes, you being a mirror, yeah. but me, me putting myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where you get into that collective, like we're all in this together. You can't do it without other people, Absolutely. like all that. So I think that the writing stuff just kind of came up and now it's just crazy to be like, I, I don't. I question, it sounds strange, like, I'm a playwright. I'm a playwright? I'm yes, a playwright. you're a playwright. I'm a playwright. I've written, like, a few plays, and we do them, and it's a thing. And you're but going to seems, Scotland. Yes, but it seems bizarre because it's not what I would say. I could point to other people and be like, oh, that is a playwright. I am not a, I am not a player. I'm sort of. Like, someone said to me the other day about being, like, such, such a scene, like, a, you've done so many things acting-wise. I was like, yeah, I basically had one job for a long time. But then I was like, but it's more days of work probably than a lot of people have had. So I'm, am I comfortable with the uh, topography of a, of a soundstage? Am I comfortable with the lingo? Am I comfortable? Yes, I'm pretty comfortable with that. We make a mistake that people that are comfortable or at ease in places are somehow better at it than people that are new. And, and that's not true. The, all of us, that's the wonderful thing about being an artist. It doesn't matter. You are a five-year-old. You're a hundred, six-year-old. You've never done it. You've done it your whole life. That's where you go back to love the art yourself, not, not yourself in the art. It doesn't matter. It's an equal playing field because yes. You, yes. you can yes. write. And that's for me writing. I don't sit there and go like, I'm going to come up with my thing. I go like, okay, I don't know how to do this, Yeah. but this is the thing I want to do. And if, and if I have access to infinite creative energy, which I know this sounds batshit crazy, but whatever, this is how I write plays. Um, uh, but if I have access to that, it's, I don't have to be good at it. I don't have to be the good writer. I just need to be open to infinite creative energy. <sighs> Let me ask you this then. 
where, when and where and how did you give yourself permission to fail? You have to give yourself permission all the time. That, that is, that is the practice. The practice is failing. Uh, you don't have to give yourself permission to, I mean, what, like comfortable failing? No one is comfortable failing. Do I, have I signed up for a consistent experience of like, of like being frustrated with myself? Uh, Probably. I think it's resilience. I think you have to develop resilience about it. I also think that, um, that like, it's, you don't give yourself, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I fail constant. I mean, I, I, this is going to, I mean, I, I feel most of the time like a failure most of the time. And, and I, I don't know if that is the bad thing. No, do I feel like failure failure? look attractive? You have what you make failure then look attractive, (laughs) but it's like, you have this moment where you're like, I'm not doing this right. Like I've had enough people be like, where I'm like, Oh, I've, they all think that maybe I, okay. Yeah. All right. But they don't know. But I got tired, I think, of like constantly explaining why, like arguing for my limitations of like, no, no, no. I'm actually, because like, I don't know. I mean, am I comfortable with being able to say like, I don't totally know what I'm doing all the time. Am I comfortable with like, I don't, I try to, I have a passion to do something and I want to do it. Yeah. But I don't know if you ever get comfortable with, there's not a point where it's like, oh, I'm making something and I am just like, you know, you have those rare, beautiful moments where you slog away because most of it is sloggy and awful and full of apathy and discomfort. And, um, uh, why, why, why did this sound like a good idea? Why, why, like a lot of that. And then, then you get this like I oftentimes realize it after, like I'll sit there and be like, what am I doing? Ryan, this is stupid and smell, it's derivative and I don't know, all this stuff, right? And then I'll get up the next day or I'll watch it or, you know, whatever, a week later and I'll be like, <laughs> look at me, that's pretty good. I did that. And then I have that moment, right? And I'm like, I, you enjoyed that. And then two seconds, I'm like, what am I doing? Ah, you know, so it's that mix of like developing resiliency, but the failure part is just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, the letting yourself be bad, like that, the, 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 the state of continual improval. Cause for me, it's, it's, I sure as fuck don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I know nothing. Uh Um, and and I feel like I run into the the similar problem to you with the S word, you know, when uh-huh. when when I hear people say things to me. And, and again, it, it's it's very kind. It's very complimentary. It's uh-huh. but it it hits something within me um, and probably the, the kid within. Yeah. You know, that that feels the complete opposite of special and, and feels like nobody. Right. And 
And so then it, it, it almost then becomes this worth thing of my kid then, well, then I better make it yeah. incredible yeah. because otherwise, mm -hmm. and then the panic sets in because I don't like, I know nothing about writing and yet I'm told I'm a good writer. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck that means, mm -hmm. but there's, and that's probably exactly why, I mean, this is exactly why I write is I get told I'm a good writer and you want to keep writing. So it's, it's nice. You know what I mean? It's good. But for me, there's also the, the, I always start off with, I'll get, I'll get a vision. I'll get an image mm -hmm. that surprises me mm -hmm. or I'll quote unquote, hear something that I'm like, Oh, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Like almost like being like a, uh, an energetic orator. Yeah. Um, and so then listening to you with the, oh, this is derivative. This is, but there's that. Yeah. But the, every, and everything is yeah. derivative and everything is like, and that's okay. Cause again, it's coming through you. Yeah. So if it's coming through you, it's going to be you. Yeah. And in terms of like the, it's both and it's like, yeah. you're super special and also you're not special at all. Yes. So it's maintaining that constant dichotomy. It's not easy. There's no balance. The idea is like, if we were balanced, you wouldn't be happy. It's the contrast of like, I feel like shit. Now I feel amazing yeah. that we're all like crazy about. Yeah. And so like that, and this idea that there's some sort of perfect, calm, zend out, I'm a genius and I just write and I just live my life. Like that doesn't exist. That, yeah. that, that isn't, that isn't a thing. And, and I think that when, <laughs> that when you write, however you write, yeah. if you say it comes into my ears and I write it down, if yeah. someone says I channel it, if someone says I have this, it's like, we can all, and we all do this to each other. And I think that this is where I've gotten pretty good just because I've, I've practiced that. I've, I've went out and tried to teach myself about it. It's the judgment that stops us before you know, it's that it's where you go. Like if you judge yourself for saying, I, I, I hear something yeah. in my head and then I channel it out. Yeah. Someone could go like, well, that's just stupid. You just shouldn't even write it down if that's how it's happening. Cause that's not, a that's an imaginary bunch of hooey. Like, but if that's what makes you right. Yeah. Cause it, then, yeah. you know what I mean? Then yeah. That's what made you right. So yeah. you can fuck all the way off guy who's saying that. Cause yeah. did you write, did you write something? Cause she did. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I don't care whatever gets you to fucking God go there. Like yeah. that's what it is. So that's where I'm good at. I've practiced that. I'm not always great at it, but judgment and, or yeah, judgment, judgment and creativity can't, they cannot live in the same room. Yeah. You have to do your thing and you have to, I've done this before and I do it still. I will either make a little, I, when I, when it's getting really loud and bad, I'll make a, it's very rudimentary. I don't want anyone to think I'm like sitting with pencils and charcoals, but I'll make a little draw, a little stick figure, or I'll take like a little like finger puppet or something. I will legitimately do this. And I will endow that as like, that is my critic. That is the thing. And I'll be like, you're going to get airtime. Not right now. Yeah. And I'll put it in the other room. I'll put it whatever. And then I work. And when I'm working and it's work, most of the time it's not creative. There's a Henry Miller thing. That's the other thing I think that is great about writing is there are so many great writers and you yeah. can go on the internet and look up writing tips yeah. and you can pick 
whether it's Neil Gaiman or any anybody. Yeah. They, there's so many. Margaret Atwood, all these people yeah. have like, these are my rules of writing. Yes. And each one is totally different. Yes. I don't write. I am a terrible speller. Terrible. And I'm also very... Um, my brain works very musically, like the way I like things to Beats. sound. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I usually can't write like people say like, oh, right, beginning all the way to the end. I usually can't do that. I usually have to go over like these sentences on again and again and again. I judge myself so badly about that because mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not a real thing. If I was a real writer, I would make an outline and I would have beats and I have, and I'm friends with Neil Gaiman and I will ask him, I'll be like, did you, do you always outline? He's like, sometimes you outline, sometimes you not. He's so comfortable with the work of writing that like he just knows and like he's told me things and this is all, I think this is all just common knowledge. But one of the things he says is uh, either most of writing is getting ready to write. Yeah. And I have gotten a lot of peace from that to know like uh, you got to build in that hour and a half to like get the tea. I have this. I have fed the cats. Yes. I have done these things. Like that is part of writing. Yes. And that like, um, all you, all I know is that eventually things I've written things and they've been put on paper. Could I do it easier? Has it, are there different things that, you know, you learn as you go along? Yes. But the judgment has no place in the creative part. It can show up later, but when you're making something, you're, you're accessing a part of yourself. You're accessing that. I don't know whatever word people want to use, but inner child, whatever you're accessing it. And you can't, you can't be hard on her. Yeah. She doesn't, she didn't ask to do this. Yeah. You are, uh, uh, you're getting, you're getting the honor of that, of that creature's presence to come and, and hang out with you. So she has, she does not have to come like, and, and, and so like for me, it's like, you got to let her be and let her do her thing. And then later on you want to come in and be like, like do that. But like, Give, like, we have to be uh, more um, reverent, not of ourselves. I'm not a big believer in, like, I am not reverent about my whatever. But, like, the energy in which I have the honor of, like, flowing through me in this meat puppet suit, I am reverent of that energy. Yes. I am appreciative that it, and I am so appreciative that I will try to keep this meat puppet suit open enough so that when it comes, it has a hospitable place to stay. But it is not my meat puppet suit that makes the energy so special. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I guess. So, yeah. so it, it's, it may be the filtering through maybe as, as it's my meat puppet suit is the filter and that's what makes it interesting. Sure. And the critic makes it interesting. But when you first write, I would say that that about that judgment thing, the yeah. judgment is, it's so horrible and it is, it's just a practice. I don't have the answer to it. I mean, I'm literally sitting here going like, yeah, on a good day. It's like this, but it's not always like that. It's, it's, it's not, it's not always like that. Yeah. No, I, 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 I receive that. Um, I, 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 I receive that wisdom. Um, and this feels like a, this feels like a beautiful place to end though. I hope that, that, um, you, you come back Whenever. at, at some point. Absolutely. Cause I'm like, there's so much, I still want to talk with you about like your dream life, all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my dream life. But, um, Kirsten Banks nest and oh my gosh, talk about just, uh, Edinburgh. We got, I'm going to Edinburgh on Thursday. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm uh, yes. My therapist and someone said that, Oh, hustling for your worthiness. That's the thing Brene Brown says. 
That's yes. the way of describing what you were doing, right? Hustling for your worthiness. Oh, speaking of which, it's so crazy that you bring up Brene Brown because I was like, have you invited her to any of your shows? I haven't. I'm too scared. See, again, I'm like, I'm not worth. That's Brene. Br- you don't invite. Um, maybe now that you said that, okay, I feel like I'm yeah, try. I, I, I definitely because I feel like yes, yes, do like. <laughs> Do please, please. Well, if someone is listening to this and knows Brene Brown, Brene then Brown. validate me for yes. me and I will do it too. Um, uh, yeah, I'm taking some plays I wrote to Edinburgh, uh, my one person show mess. And then another show I wrote called Cleo, Theo and Wu, which is a, a feminist, uh, uh, historical space romp musical. Um, and, uh, and it's really great. And it's about how we are only as powerful as the least privileged among us. So this idea that this white woman is sort of going through, creating through history and learning about how to be like a woman. Cause all, I think all of us question, like, what does that mean? And she meets all these different, um, women through history that are basically living inside of her vagina. And, and then this woman from the future that is played by a man because feminism has been femininity has been decimated. Um, and, and then it's all about, um, it's all about like how just because people are represented less in life and in history doesn't mean that they aren't as important in, in history and in life. And, um, and it's, super fun and uh it's like a joy to be in a room with a bunch of like super powerful women and and a couple of very powerful men too but uh it's 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 crazy lady tastic we've had it we've it i've been very fortunate that we were very conscious about making sure that we had like just a just we had like representation in not just on the stage but in the uh technical aspects and yeah. all of that so um uh, yeah, and we're taking it to Edinburgh, and we're going to be at the Powder Room um, all of August at 8 o'clock at night. Yay! Well, um, I'm so stoked. And you are one of my Kickstarter supporters, so thank you very much. It so I was, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I won't take credit for a big, for for the big salad that I haven't purchased. <laughs> Heather Turman, my wife, oh. <laughs> was the technical supporter. Uh-huh. Um, even though we shared money and yeah. so whatevs, but I, I just want to very specifically That's true. say it was, it was Heather Turman's name on on the thing. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I just decided that it was both of your guys. Well, money, so. I, I, <laughs> I, I received that, and I guess that's one of the benefits of marriage. Yeah. I also still wanted to make sure that she got the credit. Yeah. Um, You're right. You're right. I feel uncomfortable and strange. And no, it's I get all it. Good. I get it. I get it. Um, Actually, Heather Turman is the one who set set me up in this in this room too. So we we have yeah. lots to thank her for. Uh, Heather, I mean, she's just Heather. It's fucking magic. Fuck, love my life. All right. On that note, um, thank you so much for coming. Please come again. Yes. And everybody, thank you for having me, Gerson Vangsnow.